Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed. Are you ready? You ready for the word? I'm excited. We'll, uh, I'm going to preach for a little bit, see what the Lord wants to do. Um, and I just really sense on tonight on the final service together as a church family across our region. Um, I suppose as the climactic point of our, of our Easter weekend as a church. I know we've been celebrating in all our different churches. And if you're new here, we're we're pumped to have you and we're excited and maybe found yourself here for the first time and you're still kind of sussing this whole thing out. Well, we're believing tonight that the Jesus we're preaching about, we're worshiping, he's not a distant God, he's not a fire off God, but he's closer than you even think. He's more real than the ground I stand on and we want to be able to create space tonight for God to come and encounter your life, touch your life, bring refreshing and a new infilling to your life to invite you into your next season. For some of us, you might be walking through healing you're looking for and you're desiring supernatural intervention. For someone who's having sent you out to walk into conversations and meetings this week, and you need God right there in that conversation. Well, I'm believing tonight you're going to get that touch of heaven that's going to be able to walk you in confidence into your week. But all we've got to understand is that the cross was an empty moment. The cross that we know was probably the moment in human history as we look back was the moment where Christ emptied himself. He emptied his life. Scholars call it, and, and I suppose articulate it as the emptiness of the cross. That the cross represented an empty moment. A moment where the eternal God, the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who had been emptying himself and filling himself in the divine dance for all of eternity, had now in this moment in human history turned his attention towards humanity and said, the emptying that I've been pouring out my life to myself within the Godhead is now going to be poured out for humanity. That I'm going to empty my life upon people. Why did he do this? Well, he knew that unless someone emptied themselves, then someone couldn't be filled. You got to understand, for me to fill a cup, I need to first empty the jug. That emptiness needs to take place in order for the repercussion of that to be a filling. That God looked at our life and he saw emptiness. He saw brokenness. He saw pain. He saw marriage breakdowns. He saw a generation riddled with divorce and financial pressure and just all the pressures of life and anxiety and depression and just just mental health rampage in our generation. And he looked across it and saw it all. He saw our rejection of God. He saw that we spat in his face. We blasphemed his name. We said, God, we don't need you. We can do it by ourselves. We can set ourselves free. I can get the right career, the right job, the right money in my bank account, and I can build a successful life without you, God. I don't need you. But Jesus was more interested in not just dealing with the surface level ideas. He wanted to deal with the root. He knew that in all our attempts to live a good morality life, to, to live successful and try and achieve some level of status and influence and gain more Instagram followers and all the kind of real petty things that we seem to build our life upon and pursue and different things like that. But God looked deeper than that. 
And so the fruit of all our decision makings, our, our pursuits of worldly things and carnal things and sex, drugs and rock and roll and all the things that seem to consume our life. The issue is sin. The issue is sin. But God wasn't looking at the issue of sin being a behavior issue. Like you've had too many ciggies this week. Or you've had, you've had too many swear words. Or you yelled at your mom when she asked you to wash the dishes. Or you handed in that uni assignment late and... Well, you sped to church tonight. I don't know. <laughs> Who did that? Who was speeding along Anzac Avenue? We'll pray. We'll do an altar call after for all the speeders. Um, you can come. Um, so let's pray now for Elliot in Jesus' name. I, I used to be a speeder when I was 18. And then I lost my license. It was before the Lord. Don't judge. And um, lost my license. And I came to this epiphany. I never have to pay a fine again, which is financially brilliant. And I'll never get in trouble with the law if I never speed. You know what? I got set free that day. Yeah. All the speeders in the room, that was a word for you. And yeah, the, um... But God didn't want to deal with that. He didn't want to deal with our sin. But he wasn't dealing with sin and a behavior issue. Oftentimes we associate sin with behavior. And although it ripple effects into behavior, it ripple effects into our life. And there are behavioral things that are, are, are the wages and, and, and the dictate kind of the sin in our world. Sin, the issue God wanted to deal with was sin, meaning separation. You see, the issue wasn't behavior. The issue was we were separate from God. Because he knew only in perfect union with him can we live the life that he has for us. The purpose, the hope, the joy, the peace. That even when all hell breaks loose around us, when we're in perfect union with him, when we are one with him, when we are placed in him for all of eternity, then we can live free. So God wanted to deal with that. He wanted to deal with it. But he knew in order to fill your life for the emptiness that you had, he had to empty his life on the emptiness of the cross. Philippians 2, 6-11 says, It's who, existing in the form of God, do not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. For this reason, God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It was the emptiness of the cross. Jesus emptying his life. But the most radical thing for us to understand is that in the fullness of the life Christ lived, a sinless life, a perfect life, one that was in perfect union with Jesus, being fully God and fully man, the incarnate Christ, that Jesus that we're preaching about, the one who emptied his life for you and I. He knew that him emptying his life wasn't going to be where it ended. Because what he understand was that even Christ himself said that the end of me as I empty my life is only the beginning of you. It's the beginning of your life, inviting you in to the life that you are always meant to live. Because the reality is, is God only wants to set you free from the life you were never called to live anyway. He's only trying to take the bondages off the pain off, the heartache off that you were never meant to be carrying anyway. Trying to invite you in 
but as he emptied his life, as he laid down his life for you and I, there was this moment where we see even Christ himself articulating the words, saying to the disciples of the day and to the church and the church of our day in 2023, saying to us that you would do greater things than I. What a radical thought to see. We see in scripture that if you penned all the miracles Jesus did, scripture says, no, the books of the world couldn't hold it. And yet he says, you'll do greater than that. That's wild. But that could only be possible is if upon emptying his life, he filled your life. But not just with good feelings and good vibe and tinkering on the keyboard, LED screens, dude wearing a green hat that says Bass Pro. Whatever it said, what does it say? I don't even know. Bass Pro Shop, let's run it. He's one of the things. He, he wanted to fill you with himself. So the reason you could do greater things was because he knew men. As I ascend, as I die, rise again three days later, as the gospel of resurrection goes out, as he commissioned first Mary Magdalene and Mary, as they viewed the empty tomb, commissioned them to carry the first resurrection message to go out into the world. He then ascended. But then after that moment, he left a promise for them. He says, don't do a thing until I've filled you with myself. Because I don't need you walking around. I need me walking around. I don't need you talking. I need me talking. I don't need you leading your family. I need me leading your family. I don't need you leading your marriage. I need me leading your marriage. So Jesus said, you need to empty your life and I'm going to fill you with myself. And then wherever you go, whatever you touch, whatever you speak into you, whatever you build, all these type of things, it's not going to be in your own might, but it's going to be by the Spirit of the Lord as He fills you. This is the Holy Spirit, the divine person, the three-in-one of the internal Godhead. He's co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent with the Father and the Son. His ministry is to convict and to convert and to reveal the Son, to lead you to all truth. This is why scholars say the present era we're living in is known as the age of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.11 says this, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through the Spirit who lives in where? In you. That same power that we celebrate today that rose Christ from the dead isn't just up in the clouds. He's in you and I. I love our, our little girl, Harlow. She's turning four in like a month or something. Give or take. And uh, even now, she's learning the gospel message and what it means for her. I love even at a young age, when we ask her, where's Jesus? She goes, he's right here. Because for her, we want to be able to raise her in a home where from day one, she knows God's not distant. He's not up in the clouds. Where does God live? God lives on the inside of me. This is where he's placed. Which means you have dead raising power on the inside of you. That same power that rose Christ in there, the scriptures say, is alive on the inside of you. Can resurrect in the, in the day of glorification your mortal bodies and bring you into new life. You see, he emptied his life so he could fill your life. It was never just meant to end at emptiness. It was meant to end with filling you with true hope. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. 
and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Or you'll be my witnesses, let me say it modern day, in Redcliffe, Pine Rivers, and North, and to the ends of the earth, which is Sunshine Coast. I don't know. Somewhere further north. North Aurora. What's the new suburb? That's bridging the divide. Yes. Soon it'll just be one clump of houses the whole way. It'll be good. It'll be good. Anyone bought in Aurora? Is it called Aurora? Yeah. Anyone bought there? No? Interested. Interested to see how you went. So it's a good investment, I don't know. Acts 2, 4, but they will be filled, someone say filled, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Church, something that burdens my heart, and I know for many of your leaders and your pastors, is now is not the hour for the church of Jesus Christ to quench the Holy Spirit. Now is not the hour for the church of Jesus Christ to stifle the Holy Spirit. Now is not the hour to try and play church, go through the motions, play our church game, sign up to religious institutions, and go through the motions. Now is the hour to not quench the Holy Spirit, but actually let Him loose how He's called us to. By saying, God, I want to empty my life, empty Chris Hodgman out of the way, so Jesus can shine through my life. I don't want to allow Him to quench, but I want to be filled by Him, so in the region I'm called to, the community, this city, God can position us as a church family to have an impact like we can't even begin to imagine. But it's going to take us not quenching him, but letting him go. One Thessalonians. Oh, Thessalonians. You hear that one? That's the lisp. That's, I tell you what, Jesus, Jesus is just a comedian. He called me to preach and gave me a lisp and then called himself Jesus. Why would he do that to me? He put two S's in the name and then called me to say his name a lot. I got, I got qualms. I got qualms. And then this book, Thessalonians, got a couple of lists in there. How many? That's three S's. That's three. Even Thessalonian, not the S on the end. Makes it complicated. Chapter 5, 16 and 22. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's the will of God in my life? Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything. God, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in what I'm doing. God, what university should I do? Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks. God, what career path should I go down? Rejoice always. Pray constantly. We've made the will of God a tightrope. Rather, it's just an invitation to abundant life. Live in a heart posture. Man, I tell you what, if you're rejoicing always, if you're in union with Him, praying constantly and giving thanks for what you have, I promise you, you will be in the will of God for all of your days. The next command, don't stifle the Spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. I feel like that is a, that is a text for us right now in 2023. Do not stifle the Spirit. Don't despise the prophecies that have been spoken over your life. Leaving them dormant, putting them on the bench, putting them in a, in a cupboard so, somewhere, hiding them away. There has been prophetic words spoken in your life over 10, 15 years ago, and you've been leaving them dormant. God's inviting you again to awaken those dreams. Not to push them aside. Don't despise them. The prophetic is always a partnership. It's always an invitation. 
but it requires you to say yes and to jump in, not stifle the spirit in your life. If I could have the team come, that'd be amazing. Friend, the reality is, is he emptied his life on the cross. He rose again. There was an empty tomb. But it didn't end there. In fact, we know the greatest moment took place where he took what he placed on the inside of him. He was the incarnate Christ, the temple of God. That he said he'd destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. The Pharisees thought this was absolutely heretical. Something that took their generation hundreds of years to build that temple. To, to, how to construct it, pull it together in all of its detail and architecture and pulling towards the temple. And Jesus said, I'm going to destroy it and rebuild it in three days. Absolute heresy. And yet what he was talking about wasn't a physical building. He was saying, I'm going to destroy the religious idea of God. And now I'm going to place me inside you. I'm going to rebuild my temple on the inside of you. That you will become the message of Christ. You are the ambassador. You are the gateway. You are the messenger. But it starts with filling. Because whether you realize it or not, if you were real yourself, you look yourself in the mirror, you got some emptiness in your world. It needs to be filled with God. There's a God-shaped hole in the heart of every man and woman. It can only be filled by Him. For too long, we've tried to fill it with different things. Let us be the church. Let us be the generation that just says, God, we just want you. We just need your presence. If your presence isn't there, we don't want to be part of it. We had some new people join and, and attend Pine Rivers this morning. They were saying to me after the service, they were like, man, you know, they, they'd grown up in church and grown up around. They've just moved up from New South Wales. And they were saying, um, they were saying, man, I could tell. I've got a good, this was their articulation. They were like, I've got a good presence, presence odometer. I can tell where the presence of God is. And then, and then, you know, obviously they were at Pine Rivers and, uh, with us this morning. And they said, yeah, and presence of God is here. And I was like, well, you better flip and hope so. Because I tell you what, if he's, not, if he's not at Pine Rivers, I don't want to be at Pine Rivers. 100%. Because wherever he is, that's where I want to be. But it starts with being filled by him, walking in union with him. You've got to understand the cross was powerful. And too many of us believe the lie that we kind of like, Live a good life, make a mistake, and then have to restart with God. You've got to understand that the cross, like I said, dealt with the separation issue. Which means because of His love, there's now no separation. He's closer than you think. Heaven is more real than you think. Romans 8, 37-39 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor present things, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friend, you've been believing the lie that you're separate from Him. It's a lie from the enemy, trying to make you feel distant, we can walk through hardship, pain, trials 100%. God never promises storms won't come. He promises when they do, you'll be able to stand. So He never promises hardships won't come. But we mistake hardships for separation. And then the enemy tries to creep in and says, Oh, you're going through a dry season. I haven't been in a dry season in years. He's close. He's right here. I can encounter him whenever I want. He's my best friend. We're walking together. 
Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.